In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, Dear saints, uh, you'll notice that the text for today uh, weren't uh, very Christmassy in that sense. Um, And that's because uh, today is the beginning of Advent, and Advent is a different season uh, from Christmas altogether. So we don't sing uh, Christmas hymns, and we don't decorate the church for Christmas uh, during this time of Advent, because Advent is a time of self-reflection, of self-denial, and repentance, and preparing for the end of our life and the end of the world. Uh, So with that being said, I'm going to preach on the epistle lesson. And before I get into that, I want to make a distinction uh, uh, first that there are two kinds of sermons. Uh, There are sermons that instruct and sermons that exhort. And sometimes it's a mixture of the two, of course. Uh, But in in other words, there are sermons that teach you something that you don't know, that you didn't know before previously. And there are sermons that tell you to act upon the things that you already know. That they aren't necessarily instructing you, but they are uh, motivating you or exhorting you to do something and act according to your faith. Uh, And so that's what today's epistle lesson is. Uh, It's a text that exhorts. It stirs you up. It motivates you to act and to live and behave in such a way that is consistent with what you already know to be true. So this text assumes that you are a Christian. It already assumes that you know that Jesus is God, that he shed his blood on the cross to save you from all of your sins, to save you from hell and damnation. And it assumes that you already know that Jesus can come back at any second to judge both the living and the dead eternally. So this text isn't trying to teach you these things, but it's simply reminding you and exhorting you to live according to your faith in these things already. Uh, So uh, there are two main exhortations in the text. Uh, We'll take them in order. The first is that you wake up uh, and to wake up from your sleep or to rise up and to walk soberly. And what does that mean? Well, uh, Paul uses sleep as an analogy. And what he's doing with this is he's trying to show you a parallel between physical sleep and what happens to your soul certain times. Okay, so when you sleep, you don't perceive anything. Uh, You don't see anything. You don't do anything. You lie down like a dead man. You pay no attention to anything. You can't learn anything. You have no idea what time of the day it is, how long you've been in that state. Uh, And while you're asleep, your mind is filled with nonsense, uh, with useless images or dreams and visions and ideas. And uh, these are things that aren't real. They might feel real, but they're not real. Uh, In the moment, you think they are, uh, but they have no bearing on your life. Uh, They don't contribute to your life in any way. They don't affect reality. Uh, And so when you wake up, your dreams and your visions and your images in your head, they vanish entirely. Uh, And then you forget most of it because it doesn't matter. Well, uh, Paul says that something similar can happen to your soul, to your spirit. And just as your body becomes lifeless and useless when you sleep, so too your spirit can fall into the same thing. It can be lifeless and useless when you deliberately give into sin. Uh, When you're giving yourself into sin, you're no longer paying attention to the word of God or the gospel. 
and your mind is filled with just utter nonsense. It's useless, uh, with useless images and ridiculous dreams. Now, uh, there are two ways that your soul can wake up from this sleep. And the first way is through death. Uh, When you die, uh, then you'll wake up. Uh, You'll finally realize that you loved, that everything you loved here on earth uh, was an utter fantasy. Uh, every, everyone is going to realize this when he dies. Uh, but the problem with this is that when your soul wakes up, when you die, uh, it's too late to do anything about it. You've slept through the gospel. You've slept through the word of God, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, and you've given yourself into the useless things of this life. The dreams and visions that you thought would bring happiness but turned out to be nothing. Uh, The second way you can wake up from the sleep of your soul is through faith in God's word. In other words, you can wake up right now and you can accept the reality that everything that this world tries to buy you with and sell you on, every ideology, every philosophy, idea, and conception of God is nothing but make-believe, a ridiculous dream that bears no fruit. So you can wake up right now and repent and see what really matters in this life. You can open your eyes right now and see that the things that matter most are the holy and precious gospel and the forgiveness of sins in Christ. Or you can stay sleeping and find that out on the last day. You can wake up now and confess that everything that is not the gospel, everything outside of the gospel and the forgiveness of sins is just darkness and night and illusion, or you can find that out when it's too late. Uh, You can wake up and confess that your career, uh, your money, your possessions, your income, your reputation, your popularity, your acceptance by the world, uh, your own gratification, your own body even, and your flesh are not that important. Uh, You can wake up right now and realize that none of these things should ever, not one for a moment, not for one second, ever be a priority in your life. You can wake up right now and admit that these things will never really make you happy. And you can wake up right now and deny yourself this very moment and confess that it is the gospel alone that is worth your time and attention. You can wake up right now and take the word of God seriously, take devotions at home seriously, take teaching your children the faith seriously, take going to church seriously, or you can sleep in and sleep yourself into an oblivion. Uh, It is high time for you to be awake from your sleep because your salvation is nearer to you now than when you first believed. You don't know how many days you have left in this life. Now is not the time for you to be lazy or drift off or yawn at the gospel. Now is not the time for you to sit back and relax. Now is the time for you to be wide awake in spiritual matters, to renounce all sinful walking, to direct your heart and your mind to the will of God. Take the word of God seriously now while you have it. Because your final moment will come before you know it. And don't let it catch you off guard.
So that is the first exhortation, which is to wake up. Uh, The second is for you to cast off the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light. So what are the works of darkness? Well, the works of darkness are everything, is every single thing that uh, somebody does not want revealed, uh, things that they want to remain hidden. So the works of darkness are things that are done in the dark. Uh, They happen behind closed doors. It's whatever you don't want other people to know let alone God. And that's the basic sense. So when the Bible talks about this world being in darkness, it's talking about the world doing sinful and evil things and the world trying to hide it or cover it up. Uh, So the works of darkness are whatever you want to lie about or hide or deceive people about that you don't want exposed to the light of day. Uh, Just a quick footnote here. Uh, This is a very good litmus test for you to figure out if what you're doing is actually sinful. Uh, If you would be embarrassed and filled with shame if people heard or saw you do something that you are doing, then that's a work of darkness. Uh, If you're trying to hide what you've done uh, to save yourself from shame, then that indeed is a work of darkness. If, If you're saying something about someone that you don't want a specific person to hear, then that is a work of darkness. Um, it's really interesting to me. I, I know people who will say something uh, harsh about someone and, and to defend themselves, they'll say uh, oftentimes, well, I'd tell it to him, uh, I'd say it right to their face. <laughs> and, and I think, okay, you would, uh, but you haven't? Well, let's go do that right now. You go tell them right this second. Uh, go tell them exactly what you just told me. Uh, and then nine times out of 10, the person will chicken out and not do it because They're just trying to use that as a cover. Okay, Uh, deep down they know it's wrong. Okay, back to the text. Paul goes on to list uh, these works of darkness and then he gives six. Uh, He lists orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, sensuality, quarreling, and jealousy. And within these six works, there are three categories. Uh, Jealousy pertains to the heart and the mind. Uh, Quarreling pertains to words, uh, to the mouth. And orgies, drunkenness, immorality, and sensuality all pertain to the flesh or to actions and to works. Now, Paul teaches that you can give in to the works of darkness, not only in your body, but also in your mouth and in your heart and in your mind. So it's not simply enough to abstain from doing the actual work uh, with your hands, but you also need to abstain from speaking and thinking in that certain way. And that's what he's calling the works of darkness. They're all linked together. Uh, if, and, and when you commit the one, the others are not far behind. So if you continue to think a certain way, then soon you'll begin to speak a certain way. And after you speak a certain way, then you'll act in a certain way. So this is why you have to have your thoughts in check and repent of even your thoughts and the desires of your heart. So Paul's exhortation for you is to wake up and not let sin get the, other, uh, the upper hand. And that's why he says, cast off the works of darkness. <clears throat> and so he says, what is the solution to this? Um, <clears throat> here's what I'd expect Paul to say. Uh, he, I'd expect him to say, cast off the works of darkness and now do the works of light. And um, I would expect him to, to simply say, look, just do the opposite of what you're doing. So you're doing this, but instead do this. But that's not what the text says. He says, cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Uh, There are certain works that can destroy your salvation, but there are no works that will cause your salvation. 
And this is what he's getting at. Because the solution to your bad and evil works, your sin, is not good works. The solution to your evil works and sin is the armor of God. He says, put on the armor of light. Well, what is the armor of light? He tells us in verse 14. He says, to put on the armor of light is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And these words are worth our time and attention. Uh, Let me tell you first what it doesn't mean. To put on Christ does not mean to simply to imitate Christ. Uh, Yes, the Bible says that we should imitate God and we should imitate Christ. Uh, We should live like he did. We should seek to do the things that he did, namely to love our neighbor and to forgive them. Yes, that is what the Bible says, but that's not what it's saying here. Uh, Paul is not exhorting us to just imitate Jesus. He's, He's not saying, look, put on Christ, and by that I really mean just try really, really hard to do what he did, and then by doing that, then you're going to be fine, uh, and you'll be fine for the day of judgment. Uh, Make a note here that the Bible does tell us to imitate uh, Jesus, to imitate the saints, even to imitate Paul himself. But the scriptures never say to put on uh, the saints or to put on Paul or any of this. But it does say to put on Christ. So this means something different than just imitating him and doing what he did. Um, To put on Jesus means to apprehend him by faith. To make Jesus yours. To hide yourself in him. To defend yourself from guilt and shame by defending yourself with Jesus. And we know this because this is what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. It says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. In other words, to put on Jesus means simply to be baptized. When you were baptized, that's when you put on the armor of light and when you put on Jesus Christ. That is when he saved you from sin and death by covering you with his flesh and blood. And so when Paul says to put on Christ, he's simply telling you to remember your baptism and to remember that the Lord has forgiven you all of your sins. Your armor against sin and death is not your own good works and intentions. Your armor is Jesus himself. Your armor is your protection, who is Christ the Lord and your defense. You put on Jesus every single time you remember your baptism. And when you remember that he washed away your sin and that he protects you from the darkness of this world. So yes, Jesus has set you free from sin. He has forgiven your sins. He has wiped them all away in his precious blood. So don't run back to them. Don't clothe yourselves with those sins again. Don't run back to the filth from which he saved you. With it, when this evil world tempts you and entices you to go back and clothe yourself in the shameful acts of darkness, then put on Christ. Remember that you are baptized and that he saved you from these things to begin with. Protect yourself from these temptations with only the forgiveness of Christ. And don't go back to the same condition from which he saved you. Uh, Dear saints, uh, as we start this new church year again, take these words to heart. uh, To wake up, to cast off the works of darkness, and to put on Christ. 
And the reason you need to do this is because I don't know what is in store uh, for this year or what you're going to go through. I don't know how difficult these days may be or what kind of year you're going to face. I don't know if this will be your last Advent. I don't know if this will be your last Christmas or your last Easter or last year in the church. I don't know uh, that, uh, what I do know is that the longer we live, uh, the longer we are a Christian, uh, the more of a temptation it is to grow weary and faint, to get tired and exhausted and to just simply sleep in the faith, to no no longer fight, uh, but to simply lay down and close our eyes, uh, the the, the eyes of our soul, and to give into sin and to just give up the gospel. I know that we all face the temptation to give into sin, to impenitence, to the coldness and hardness of heart. We all face the temptation to give up at different times, to grow weary, to grow discouraged, to stop caring about the gospel. There comes a time when you don't even feel like going to church, when you don't feel like reading the Bible or paying attention, Um, and that this temptation grows stronger with every passing day. Uh, But don't do it. Uh, Wake up and fight that temptation with all of your might. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision to gratify your flesh. Don't even put yourself in a position to gratify flesh. It is high time for you to wake up from your sleep, from your slumber, because salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. You're closer now to your last day, to your final breath, to when your heart will stop beating. You're closer to that moment now than you were yesterday, than you were the day before. Don't let all of your time and effort in the word of God be a waste or be in vain. Don't let your final moments uh, erase your lifelong uh, time in the church and in the gospel and in baptism. Stay awake. You only have a little while longer. Don't be idle or careless, or lazy, or slothful. Keep repenting, keep coming to church, keep reading the word, even when you don't feel like it. Uh, Keep paying attention, no matter how much energy it takes from you and how exhausted you might be, or how empty and numb you may feel to it year after year. You cannot afford to give it up now. Don't let your baptism be in vain. You keep putting on Christ. You keep coming to church, hearing the word and receiving the Lord's Supper. And you will receive the the reward, uh, the gift of eternal life. And Christ, our Savior, will help you. And he will strengthen you in body and soul. And he will save you. And he will bring you to that, that day, to that light which will never grow dim, to that day when there will never be night, to that life where there is no death. And he will bring you to that moment when you will live forever in peace and joy. Uh, Put on the Lord Jesus because your salvation is nearer to you now than when you first believed. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.